Welcome to the Swordbreaker Podcast. Each week, I tackle a new theme. First, we'll see if any of my listeners have something to say from previous episodes. Then, I'll share some ideas about the main topic. After that, I'll give you my list of eight variations on the theme. Enjoy. Hey, Logan. It's Brian calling from Session Zero. I was going to call in and talk about the differences in low fantasy when you're talking about literature versus role-playing games, but you covered that in your episode on high fantasy, so I don't want to rehash that. One of my favorite variations you gave for high fantasy is World of Wedges. Uh, You can literally do anything you want with that. In fact, I think there's probably two or three of those submarine cities similar to your from episode 45 Towers that live in that sea blue wedge. Also, maybe the city of Martu, which floats on barrels, could be in sea blue. I think there are three wedges that contain completely different subspecies of goblins, and they have a great time when they align and can meet with each other. I think extreme sports fanatics probably do some wedge diving, knowing when and where to jump to uh, arrive safely in another wedge. There are just so many different things you can do with a world like that. If you made that up on your own, kudos to you because that's amazing. And if that's in a piece of literature somewhere, let me know where it is because I want to read about that. All right, man. Have a great day. Brian, I like how you took Wedge World and ran with it. I tried to attribute anything I'm borrowing directly. I'm sure almost everything I do is drawn from somewhere, but most of the time I have no idea how it worked its way into my head. Wedgeworld came out of my desire to illustrate high fantasy in which the basic things we take for granted are all thrown out the window. I think players can only handle total chaos for so long, so it's good to offer them some sort of order to the world, even if it's really jacked up. Next episode is my 50th episode. This is your last chance to turn in a creepy monster made up of beast parts for my crazy chimera carousel. You can call me through the Anchor app, or you can send a message to swordbreakerzine at gmail.com. Just give me a short description of what it is, what it's called, what it does, and I'll have it on my 50th episode. Thank you. Why is sword and sorcery not covered by one of the genres we already discussed? It is, of course, possible to talk about a sword and sorcery game in terms of high, low, or epic fantasy, but that won't really capture the feel of the genre. Why not? What's going on? Sword and Sorcery was coined by Fritz Leiber in an attempt to differentiate his work from Tolkien's heroic fantasy. He described his sword and sorcery stories as equally fantastic but earthier. His Fawford and the Grey Mauser stories, along with Robert E. Howard's Conan stories, are still the go-to examples of the genre. So let's get into what sword and sorcery has become. Sword and Sorcery is personal. No matter how world-shattering the events might get, the narrative focus is always on the central characters. Nobody cares what happens to Conan's kingdom. They just want to know what Conan does about it. 
In fact, all the elements built up in one Conan story are typically dropped entirely to be replaced by a whole new backdrop for the next story. Epic things might happen in sword and sorcery tales, but they are never epic fantasy because the fate of the world is a minor consideration. Sword and sorcery is transactional. While the main characters may bring about positive results, they are usually more focused on their own agendas. Many sword and sorcery tales revolve around a job to be done or a personal vendetta. The classic D&D murder hobo trope fits nicely into the sword and sorcery aesthetic. These are the earthier fantasy stories where lofty ideals and selfless acts would just get in the way. Sword and sorcery is competent. The main characters in sword and sorcery stories know what they're doing. They draw on life experiences and numerous past jobs to deal with whatever obstacles come their way. One skill in common? Fighting. The men and women of sword and sorcery tales are confident in their abilities when pitted against others or the natural world. That's part of the reason magic is loathed by some of these figures. They are the great athletes in a worldwide game they know how to play well, and magic is cheating. They are low fantasy players forced to play in a high fantasy setting. That's not the case with all of them though. The Grey Mouser had some skill with magic and even looked forward to trying things out. But ultimately, magic turns out to be dangerous and untrustworthy. That makes a world full of monsters and nasty wizards an exciting place to put these otherwise supremely capable characters. Other themes and tropes that pop up in Sword and Sorcery are content that is not meant for children, such as violence and debauchery, blowing through coin, feats of strength, otherworldly horror-laced monstrosities, and people who worship terrible things. <laughs> Eight Variations on Sword and Sorcery Number 1. The Temple of the Lost God The Sisters of the Waking Dawn said they only wanted to reclaim one of the old temples that had been lost when their order was persecuted by the former warlord. There would be treasure to be had, they said. All of it was for the taking as long as anything living in there was cleared out. It kind of seems like they knew how bad it was going to be. The spiders are as big as horses, and the place is filled with traps. The worst part is, there's a constant wailing and chanting that started up a while ago, and some of the voices sound familiar, like those sisters. Number two, the show must go on. In Banga Or, the chariot races are everything. Great houses have risen and fallen on the results of a hotly contested race. The four miles of savage track have always been home to a troublesome pest or two, but nothing that would slow a team of rhinoceroses for long. Times are changing. A new master of ceremonies has promised big things, and he wasn't kidding. With all the thunder lizards on the track, it's hard to tell if the goal is still to reach the finish first or just to survive. Number three, rock bottom. Waking up with a hangover is bad. Waking up with a hangover surrounded by snakes in a dimly lit room with images of a tusked god staring at you from every wall? It's just kind of the worst. 
First step, promise self never to drink again. Next step, find a way out of this labyrinth. Click, doom, clank, 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 clank. Fast. Number four, caravan through hell. There's only one way to get goods from the crystal mining town of Alakmu to the sprawling, floating city of Yuzu Makar, and that's through Blood Creek Canyon. Watch your feet, because the deathbenders can make themselves almost invisible, even in shallow water. Watch your head, because the Dactalians are just waiting to swoop down on you, riding their horrible screas. I'd warn you to keep an eye out for the bearded worm, but... If you're going through the canyon, you can't miss that. Number five, everybody loves Raythar. Raythar is a wicked bastard of a sorcerer. Yet for some reason, everyone in Bottom Town seems to love him. He's burned down whole villages and conjured up water spouts to sink trade ships just because they competed with his businesses. Now it's as if he were the greatest thing since apple-roasted lizard haunches. Descaled, even. It's going to be hard getting the money he owes out of him, with every last merchant, hustler, and street rat singing his praises. Number six, a beast in the darkness. The windowless tower of Walloon spews dark energy into the jasmine-scented streets of the capital. Deep in its bowels, there is a dark room where the boar-headed man-beast cries silently and strains against his searing bonds. They bleed him, and their warriors bathe in his blood, because he is a creature of nightmares, and when they strut around covered in his life force, the people fear them. He is no monster. He is a captive from a plane of existence none here could ever comprehend, and he just wants to go home. Number 7. Sailing to the Underworld Hired on as bodyguards for a miserable-looking merchant, they had no idea what was coming. First, they found themselves boarding a ship. They never would have taken the job if ocean travel was discussed during the negotiations. Then, after they set sail, out came the silk-robed sorceress. That would definitely have been a deal-breaker. Now she's screaming words that make the back prickle. A purple-tinted storm is coming on fast, and someone let it slip that their grim employer lost a son and the plan is to sail straight into the underworld to retrieve the lucky boy. Number 8. A Bloody Weapon for a Foolish King Calm down and think about where we are. Don't tell me what to think. This is all your fault. Okay, I can see why you might think that. But right now, there's a dozen lancers on war zebras coming our way, and you and I have to work as a team to get out of here now. But I hate you. Actually, you and I are best friends and everything was going great until you picked up that cursed sword. Well, this is the sword that King Targon told us we had to get if we wanted to get these chains removed. Yes, I know. But the stupid thing took over your mind the second you picked it up. And you've been just coming up with reasons to kill everyone and everything around you since. Let's give it to Targon and be done with it then. Good idea. You can start by pulling it out of my arm. Thank you so much for listening. And hey, 
I love receiving calls and messages. You can call me through the Anchor app or send me a note at swordbreakerzine at gmail.com. Tell me your thoughts on this episode or something from a past episode. Give me ideas for new themes or just say hello. Thank you to Ray Otis for my new full-color logo. You can find links to his many excellent games, zines, and blog posts at rayotis.com. That's R-A-Y-O-T-U-S dot com. The crew at your table is making demands. They want adventure in fantasy lands. Wahoo, Swordbreaker! You need some options and you need them now. They're bored with the owlbears and sick of the drow. Wahoo, Swordbreaker! You're brilliant, it's true, but you know in the end, even the finest can use a friend with random rambling and homebrewed lists. Listener content with awesome twists. Bounce, 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 sword breaker.